Hello and welcome to the NBA Next podcast presented by Track. I am Scott Allen and I am joined by Keith Smith. We are here to talk about what is next financially in the NBA. Keith, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Scott. We're uh, gearing up for uh, arguably the busiest transactional period in the NBA. Everybody thinks that's uh, the trade deadline and the start of free agency, but teams are going to make literally hundreds of uh, roster moves uh, here over the next uh, few days as they, they get into roster compliance for the regular season. It's 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 not quite NFL cut down levels, but uh, for, for us in the NBA percentage wise, it's a large chunk of transactions that happen. And most of these guys, you know, unfortunately are guys that they're going to get waived and people are going to forget all about them until they see him get a 10 day contract in January or something like that with a call up from the G league. But, but that, you know, for our purposes, that still keeps us hopping and keeps us busy. Yeah. So a transaction happened yesterday. Kevin Porter jr. Was traded from the Houston Rockets to the Oklahoma city thunder for Victor Oladipo, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, and uh, the thunder also acquired two uh, future second round picks Thoughts on that trade and uh, implications for either Houston, Oklahoma City, or anything else? Yeah, so this is a very simple trade in terms of the mechanics, basketball-wise. Houston uh, took in less salary than they sent out, so they they generate a $4.5 million trade exception. Uh, they'll have to they're now plus one roster wise so someone's going to need to be waived I initially thought that it'd probably be Victor Oladipo because he's not going to play and I would assume they they kind of like Jeremiah Robinson Earl but my guess is all right it's probably actually going to be somebody else and they'll keep uh, Oladipo just uh, others pointed out aptly so that that's a nice piece of salary matching for a future trade down the line for Houston so so he'll he'll probably stick around and then we'll see if it's Robinson Earl or does you know do, do they cut ties with somebody like Boban or Aaron Holiday well we'll we'll see all that'll come come out uh, here over the next uh, few days as they get into roster compliance and then on the Thunder side um they their their press release on this said that they it's it was very interesting and we'll get into why it's interesting they worded it as the uh, Thunder acquire two second round picks uh for Victor Oladipo and Jeremiah Robinson Earl. And then it was tagged on with the Thunder also acquired Kevin Porter Jr. He'll be immediately waived. I did not see a waiver go through for Kevin Porter Jr. last night, um, meaning Tuesday night when this trade was made. My guess is that'll actually play out at some point today. But Kevin Porter Jr. is never going to – he's he's not even going to report to OKC. They're not even going to require that. They're just going to waive him. That means they're going to eat $15.86 million on this year's salary, and then they'll eat $1 million into next year because that's how Porter's contract worked. The, the, it was non-guaranteed. If we remember, when he signed his uh, extension with the Rockets, it was one of the more unique extensions we've seen where he got one fully guaranteed year, which would be this season, then a you know non-guaranteed, but it triggered on July 1st, for a 1 million guarantee uh, the next season. And then the next two years uh, were both also fully non-guaranteed. So they did the Rockets structured that because Kevin Porter Jr. had a you know history of uh, uh, not great behavior, nothing like to the levels where he is now. And that's part of why this trade was made. It was made now. He's facing uh, um, some uh, 
uh, charges uh, against him of uh, assault and battery. And I, I think that the term they're actually using is intimate partner violence. Um, you know, and that's a very complicated situation because the, the woman involved has now uh, come out and said some of the things that are he's being charged with maybe didn't happen. It, it's an extremely compl- complicated situation. So we're going to see what happens ultimately with this. But this is basically the Thunder saying, hey, we'll eat his contract in exchange for two second round picks. We'll waive him. We'll take the cap hit next year. We don't really care about that. We'll take the cap hit now and off we'll go. And then the Rockets are now they're kind of free and clear of the Kevin Porter Jr. situation entirely. For Oklahoma City, they just keep stockpiling the picks and you know those second round picks as we've seen of late are becoming more and more of the hot commodity so having a 27 and a 28 second round pick those you know even though they're you know four or five years out now you know those are going to be even more valuable as the second round picks become you know uh, you know the super tax teams want to acquire those second round picks yeah, and that's one of the things that I went to is I think, you know, with OKC, because there's a lot of, are they going to be able to, you know, consolidate and do the things they need to do? And we've started to see them do some of that process over the last couple of years uh, where they have kind of consolidated down some of their picks and, and you know, put multiple ones into a trade to trade up and, and go get a player. We, we saw that uh, happen with the Dallas Mavericks this year at the draft to, to, so they could go up and get, get a, a Kason, K, Kason Wallace. Um, and then we saw the uh, Thunder do that a couple years ago uh, where they did a consolidation trade to, to move up in that draft. And that was, I believe that trade netted them Usman Jang because I think they used their own pick on Jalen Williams, but I may, I may have the players slightly wrong, but they, they definitely have done some of that. And what I was thinking about yesterday when I was looking at just their massive yeah, stockpile of picks is that really, yeah, the Thunder in a position where what's going to happen with some of these teams that are up and over the second apron over the next few years, what they're going to be looking at is, all right, we need to add, you know, talent to this roster. We need to add, you know, we can sign guys for the minimum or we can, you know, sign our own draft picks. It's essentially what they're limited to outside of, you know, even one for one trades where they trade, you know, a guy out and match salary exactly evenly. So I think what you may see is the Thunder may be poised, you know, four or five years from now with some of these teams that are up and over that second apron to come into them and say, Hey, we'll give you a second round pick in this year's draft, but you need to give us a protected first, you know, or something like that, you know, two years from now or those kind of things. And I think that may be the way we see this kind of start coming together for the Thunder, where because I believe the number is 15 first round picks and 22 second round picks over the next seven years is what they have control over. So that's obviously you can't make 37 draft picks yourself that it would be impossible you just rosters aren't that big you can't roster that many guys and so i think you're going to see them do a lot of interesting stuff uh with their picks over the next few years of how they kind of structure this and it's one of those things where you know it's not a problem until it is a problem to have too many of them and i don't know that we'll ever actually get to the point where it ends up being a major problem for the thunder no but like you said 
them having all of that those assets just allows them to have even more flexibility than yep. the other teams that don't. So time will tell, but it, it's going to be an interesting case study to see. Now, I, I don't think any team is going to be able to reproduce what the Oklahoma City Thunder have been no. doing as far as, you know, stockpiling picks because this has been a year's thing in the making. And then now they've handcuffed half the league because they own so many picks like you just alluded to. So it's going to be interesting to see how they're able to pull the strings of the rest of the teams uh, as we move forward with the draft. Yeah. And then for them too, I mean, they may be in a position six, seven years from now themselves where they may be the team that is pushing up against being really, really expensive. Cause I, I think we all like their young talent that they have, you know, especially some of the higher end guys. And that may turn into, all right, we're really expensive. We need to use these picks ourselves, at least some of them, but yeah, but just having them, it's one of those things where it's like, it's, you know, I, I always kind of joke. It's, it's better to have it than not. Right. And you know, then, then you, you maybe end up in a weird spot where how are you going to use it versus not use it. But for now you, you got it and you just kind of keep, keep moving forward. All right. Today we're going to talk about the Pacific division and central division roster rotation questions that you've posted. We're going to fly through each team here. Um, one question per each team. And then hopefully today uh, or tomorrow, as you've uh, talked to me offline, we will have the last division to post here as we are one week away from actual regular season games being played. Yeah, so, which is amazing. Can't wait. <laughs> it is. A lot of fun stories. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that next week. Yeah. But for, for today, we're going to start here with the Pacific Division. Golden State Warriors. Uh, this is a fantastic question here. Will Chris Paul start? Yeah, and this may be one where, sure, out of the gate, because we don't know if Draymond Green's going to be ready to go. It sounds like he's going to be questionable for the start of the regular season. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I, I know there was a, a positive update that it looks like he's progressing. He sprained an ankle. Uh, sounds like a pretty bad sprain uh, several weeks ago. So he's essentially missed the, the entirety of the preseason process. So Green, you know, even if he's, uh, you know, ready – you know, for the start of the year cleared, it generally takes him a little bit of time to ramp up to, to playing and getting up to his, to his best. So we may be in a spot where it is, all right, Draymond Green is back, but not ready to go, but eventually he'll be back to full go. And then, all right, you know, where are we going at that point? Now it's the Warriors are a little bit older. They've had some injuries. So maybe some other guys will be out at that point. We'll see, but assuming they're fully healthy with those six guys, uh, in by the six, I think we can, with all confidence, lock in Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green, and Andrew Wiggins as starters on a night-to-night basis when everybody's healthy and full go. So that really leaves it down to, is it going to be Kevon Looney, or is it going to be Chris Paul who starts? So that's going to be an interesting question that uh, Steve Kerr's going to have to answer. Everybody's kind of sort of saying the right things uh, here and now, but but we'll see what that looks like. But yeah, it's going to be really, really interesting to see how he plays that because to me, this might be one of his biggest tests as a head coach of how does he uh, you know, manage all the egos of these guys. With the LA Clippers, are some of the veterans going to be out of this rotation? Yeah, it, it, so <laughs> we thought some of this might get answered with the James Harden trade, but that 
hasn't happened as of yet as of uh 9:22 in the morning on October 18th um so <laughs> that gives us a, a sense so if that happens at noontime today uh at lunch you guys know this hasn't happened by the time we recorded this but it is uh yeah so if not i mean they it's been with the clippers we've we've kind of championed and loved their depth right it's been like man these guys are are really you know something and now what's happened is i think they've started to kind of turn the corner a little bit and go in a different direction they're they're gonna play terrence Mann a lot they got bones highland and like him they went and traded for kj martin and have raved about his uh you know uh, athleticism that he kind of injects into a you know, more groundbound team than I think a lot of people realize. They also have Brandon Boston Jr. and Amir Coffey, who the team really likes. So that leaves guys like Nick Batum, Marcus Morris, and Robert Covington. Are they going to play? Batum and Morris' roles came way, way down uh, throughout the course of last season. Covington played the least amount he's played since he was a rookie. So that's a whole, whole other thing. So yeah, one of those veteran guys is probably going to fall out and not play right now. It looks like it's probably going to be Morris and then maybe Covington. Uh, and we'll see Marcus Morris is kind of, again, it's preseason. So it's easy right now, but saying all the right things as far as, Hey, I'm going to do what I need to do. And I'm going to be here and, you know, whatever I have to do to help the team and all that. But, you know, that's easy to say in October. That's harder to say in January if you haven't played and you really want to be a part of something. I was kind of surprised you didn't bring up any health with the LA Clippers uh, with one of your questions, but you know. Yeah, I, it's one of those things where it's I, 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 the only reason I didn't was because I think it's such a known thing that mm-hmm. it's like, you know, by, I tried to go slightly different with, with the questions if I could, you know, because it's, I think we're all kind of like, yeah, you know, and it's it's funny because I'm at the point where like I'm trying to put my final thoughts on like what I think the standings will be and all that stuff. And I'm sitting here looking at it, I'm like, don't do it. Don't buy into the Clippers again. And then I'm like, man, but I like all the guys on that team. And then it's just, you know, and it's like, you're going to do it. And then they're going to be 42 and 40 because half their guys miss half the season or more. Before we go to the Lakers, can I ask a question? Is there any chance that, the Clippers trade a Paul George or Kawhi Leonard or a Norman Powell again? Yeah, I mean, Powell for sure. Yeah, I mean, anybody who's a role player in that that organization, I would, you know, the, the, the old phrase, I hope they're renting versus buying because I, I don't know how long they'll be there. But I think with um, with Paul and uh, Leonard, I think the the – the uh or uh, rather well i guess paul worked too but george or leonard um i think the the bigger thing is with those two guys what what is the plan for next year and beyond because if the uh clippers are you know really locked into we're going to be a very good competitive team by the time we open our new building it would have to be a trade that returns equal value of like ready to win right now and those trades are so uncommon and hard to find that i just find it unlikely that they treat either one of those guys or unless one of those guys is completely done and is like look i'm not resigning here i'm not extending here then you have to obviously have a conversation but i think it's you know more likely to go the other way that they either resign or extend both those guys and have everything lined up for when they move into their new building with a team that they can really sell as like hey we're trying to win and we're trying to you know get after it 
The Lakers are a team. More and more people I keep hearing about how they they like what the Lakers have done so far this season. So going into the season, who is going to be the fifth starter? Yeah, so LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, those guys will all start. Darvin Ham has as much said that. I thought D'Angelo Russell made a lot of really interesting uh, you know, comments recently about like, hey, I need to be better. I need to defend better. I was a liability, and if I want to be on the floor, I need to go. So I think he kind of gets it. So then that gives a lot of options, right? I think, you know, I think Anthony Davis would love it if it was Christian Wood or Jackson Hayes, because then he could play at the four. And I don't think the AD at the four is the problem. I think the problem there becomes LeBron at the three. And I just don't think that's who LeBron is anymore. If you are telling me we need one stop at the end of a one point game, give me LeBron on whoever. And I believe he'll summon it and figure it out. But you're talking, you know, Hey, we got to get through an 82 game regular season. I don't know that him playing the three is the way anymore, just with you know where he's at at this point in his career. Jared Vanderbilt is kind of the returning starter from this version of the Lakers, from the, the, the post-trade deadline version. But it seems like a little, you know, they're going to actually you know, start him again. Like, where are we going? Because they had some spacing issues they ran into because he doesn't always shoot it well in that. So then we heard Rui Hachimura and Torian Prince could be options. Torian Prince has had a really nice preseason and apparently has looked really good throughout the you know informal uh, uh, lead up to camp as well as training camp. So he'd be there. And then Hachimura is a guy they obviously have some comfort level with and they go. The other option is everybody slides up a position, which could leave the Lakers really smaller than they want to be and start Gabe Vincent. Um, because he's their de- best uh, ball handling defender um, or ball handler defender that they have on the roster. So so I, I think there's going to be a lot of mix and match that, that the Lakers go through with this fifth spot. And then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see if this ends up being almost more of a matchup thing or how do they do it. But Darvin Ham's going to going to keep trying until he finds the right picks. The Phoenix Suns have done uh... – Everything under the sun to shake up that roster, make trades. We've we've gone through that. They're in a similar situation with the Lakers of who is the fifth starter after this latest trade that's happened. Yeah, so this one, again, very interesting, right? It's even with the trade that they did, that was really Aiden for Nurkic as far as swapping that out. And then they did get Grayson Allen. He could maybe start. He's done that quite a bit. But now you're talking, you know, three perimeter guards and I don't know what that looks like. None of those guys are uh, top end defensive players. I think Frank Vogel being a defensive coach, I I'm guessing he goes with Josh Okoji uh, there because I think his thought is going to be, I got to have one defender and Okoji is a guy, he doesn't need the ball at all. So he's basically just going to run around, play defense and get all his points off of cuts and fast breaks and runouts and all those sorts of things. So I think that's where they go. If that ends up being a little too small, um, because that's really still kind of a three guard group around Durant and, and Nurkic at center, then maybe Keita Bates-Diop gets the call. Um, Nobody was watching the Spurs last year because they just weren't very good. But he was almost, uh, you know, I don't want to say 50-40-90, but he was 51-39-79 shooting splits last year, which is really good. Um, and if that three-point shooting, which is looks more real than not, um, that's there. 
they, they could go with Utah Watanabe. They could go with Nasir Little. Um, those guys are both, you know, kind of combo forwards that have done a lot. I mentioned Grayson Allen. My guess is a Koji. And then if they feel like that's too small, they go with Bates Diop just to get a little bit more size up there. In Sacramento, how does the perimeter rotation shake out? Yeah, this is really interesting. You know, a lot of talk has been, you know, the the backup center position in Sacramento and they they got JaVale McGee and, and those guys. And I think, you know, that is somewhat interesting, but we're talking about a guy who's going to play 10, 12 minutes a night because Sabonis is kind of always there and always on the floor. So that to me, is it is interesting, but it's just less interesting. So on the perimeter, we know Darren Fox is going to start. We know uh, uh, Kevin Herter is going to start at the two. And then the, the, the kind of swing combo forwards, Barnes and uh, Keegan Murray, those two guys are going to both be, be out there, but it's really what comes in behind that. And I think, you know, they went out and got uh, Chris Duarte in a, what was really a salary dump trade from the Pacers, but I think he's going to help the Kings. And then Sasha Vezinkov is, is, is coming over, and I think he's going to be another guy who's you know got the potential to really help. He was a, a, a EuroLeague MVP um, over in Europe. He was drafted you know several years ago, six years ago um, when he was drafted. But I think he's the kind of guy who can come in and really kind of kind of help with, with his shooting and all that. But I think they're going to take it a little slower and make sure he's fully you know up to to speed with that so i i think there there is a chance um you know that those guys get out there and then of course we know the backup backcourt is malik monk and davian mitchell which is you know arguably the best you know uh, set of backup guards in the entire league so that just kind of turns into what happens to trey lyles you know i think trey lyles could get his minutes as the backup five but they seem pretty committed to javel mcgee getting a shot there and maybe alex len who was who was really had kind of taken over the backup center role by the end of the season. So, um, so we'll, we'll see, you know, what that looks like, but you know, I think Lyles as a backup five makes sense with his ability to, to stretch the floor. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how that comes together, but it, it's, this is one of those ones where you look at it and it's like compared to the kind of spot the Kings were in at a, on a lot of opening nights over the years, it's like, Holy cow, like this feels like, you know, they're they're loaded with talent compared to what some of those other Kings teams were working with. Right, and and just recapping this division, this division is deep and and it's <laughs> going to be a slugfest. I mean, yep. you know, th- there's not one team in in this division that, you know, you're like, nope, they're slotted to be in the lottery again. You know, this is going to be a slugfest moving forward in this division. Yeah, it is not going to happen, but you could almost envision a world where these are teams one through five it won't happen because denver's obviously really really good and you know they're they're gonna move in but you i I could see it being like a world where it's denver and then these five teams are the six assured playoff teams like that that, that's not ridiculous to think of you know because yeah they'll beat up on each other a little bit you know in the division games but you're only talking you know one more game at most than the other teams are going to play each other in the conference anyway so yeah it's it's just loaded there's no division that even comes close to saying yeah i think all five teams are playoff teams in the nba and it's you know this is the only one that's there moving on to the central division starting with the chicago bulls who's going to start at point guard this season 
I think it's going to be Colby White. And that's all the signs that they're, they're given. Uh, last year, you know, or really the last two years after Lonzo Ball got hurt, they went with Io Desunmu. But this year, it seems like they're uh, pushing towards Colby White. Now, Colby White got better on defense, um, which is a big part of why, you know, I think that they, they feel good about starting him. Um, he, he still every once in a while, you know, kind of did the, you know, Ole and swipe for a steal and then go from there. So they're, they're going to need a little bit more out of him, but he's really become a good offensive player. He's, he, he hits his jump shots. Now he can create off the dribble. He's, he's had a weird, you know, start to his career. He's, you know, started as a rookie. Um, he was an on-ball scoring option off the bench. Then his second year, he was a starting point guard and was showing playmaking and his efficiency started to get better. And then Lonzo Ball joined, so he went back into the bench role. Again, stayed efficient, but everything went dropped down for him. He wasn't, uh, uh, you know, playing as much. He didn't shoot as much and all those things. And then he was um, really efficient last year, but again, lost even more playing time uh, last year and what was a very crowded backcourt. So still a crowded backcourt, but it seems like, the Bulls are maybe moving away from Desunmu a little bit, um, and they're committed to White. A lot of people have said, what about Alex Caruso or Javon Carter? Caruso, they've really moved away from him being the point guard, at least in a starting group. Um, he's just too important defensively to them to to put him in that kind of role. So I think you'll see him close a lot of games, maybe even close as the point guard. Um, but I don't know that he starts. And then uh, Javon Carter, it, it's going to be – really fun to see how Billy Donovan uses him. He's, he's just, you know, kind of always in your face defensively. He makes a ton of shots. He's a really good shooter. Plus he has really great experience playing off other guys. Uh, he's never been that guy who kind of needs the ball in his hands. He's really content to kind of get it up the floor, get him into a set. And then he, you know, does a good job picking out his spots around the perimeter. So Javon Carter's going to play a lot. I'm guessing he just hasn't started very much. So I'm guessing that, that he goes back to a bench role and it ends up being Kobe white. So, but it, that's going to be one we'll be monitoring for sure as the regular season starts. Before we move on, can you give an update on Lonzo Ball and what his situation is for this season? Is is it projected that he is completely out for the entire season, or is there any light at the end of the tunnel that we may see him towards the back end of the season? Yeah, you never want to say never with a guy, but it sounds like he's not going to play uh, this year. The Bulls have already been approved for a disabled player exception, which means the fitness to play panel agrees he's more likely than not to miss the entire season. Now, that's not a you know hard and fast, you know carved in stone kind of thing. That just means that's what it looks like right now. So I think what we're going to really see uh, with Lonzo Ball is he probably misses this entire year and then he's back. We'll start hearing some of the stuff over the summer. Hopefully good, positive things. He's already said it seems like this most recent surgery, which I've lost track, I think might have been his fourth surgery on the knee. Seems like it finally got it and got it fixed. So it's, it seems like he's going to take this year to rehab, ramp himself up, hopefully hits next summer ready to go. And then he's going into that, which, which crazily enough will be the final year of his four-year contract go into that ready to go and ready to play next season. And then the Bulls will get you know, one more look at maybe you know, the roster they envision pending you know, what happens with guys like DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine who are kind of constantly in trade rumors and the like. Cleveland Cavaliers, 
very deep roster. Who is going to be the fifth starter for this season? Yep. So when healthy, and we don't know if Jared Allen's going to be, sounds like maybe he might miss a little bit of time to start the season with an ankle injury, but he'll eventually be back. So that's Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. will start up front backcourt, obviously Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. So that leaves the, the I kind of threw out four candidates for this one. Karis LeVert, Isaac Okoro, Dean Wade, and Max Struess. So I'm going to take Wade out of the mix uh, fully because I think they're going to really use him. Um, to try to uh, lighten the load a little bit on Allen and Mobley is more of a front court guy. Um, then they are going to use him um, as a small forward in those kind of jumbo lineups that, that they have used to pretty good success in the past. I'm also going to take Levert out of the mix because I think the Cavs really found a comfort level with him as their six man, because in that role, he's not, out there fighting for touches with Mitchell and Garland and making sure the bigs get plenty of touches. And Levert is not a great off-ball guy. So I think what we're really kind of looking um, at him is a, uh, you know, is a spot where he comes off the bench. So that leaves Okoro versus Struz. Okoro's been there. He's been the guy. He started for lots of, you know, his career in his first three years. He's a better defender than Struess and could be a much better defender than Struess. The biggest question is, he going to make shots? Now, the last three years, he's gone from 29% to 35% to 36.3%. So he is starting to make shots a little bit more. Now, Struess, he's at 41% and then 35%, but his volume is doubled out of Okoro's. He has a gravity that Okoro doesn't. My guess is Struess starts because they're going to, that's going to allow them to kind of uh, bend to the floor gravity towards him a little bit more, which should open things up more for the bigs and for the two guards to get downhill. Uh, the last thing I'll say, just contractually, Struce just came in on a four-year, $62 million deal, where Coro's on the final year of his rookie-scale contract. So this could be a sign of, hey, we signed Struce knowing we're going to start to move away from Coro over the next little bit because they also re-signed Karis LeVert as well. So that, I, I think that's going to be a little bit of a factor in here too. With the Detroit Pistons, how do they get Asar Thompson minutes this season? It may be just putting him in the starting group. Uh, you know, Monty Williams is like out here – doing crazy stuff in preseason. And now some guys have been out and, uh, you know, it may be not crazy, but it, maybe I should say very unexpected things, but you know, Cade Cunningham's going to start. We know they're going to start at center and probably one other big, um, you know, maybe. And then if not, they'll go with Boyan Bogdanovich. Uh, you know, they, they've also got guys like Alec Burks who, you know, they still like, but maybe having trade rumors. Uh, they acquired Joe Harris. Uh, they've got Jaden Ivey coming back again. So I think what's going to happen with Thompson is rather though than kind of having to fight his way into that rotation, I think they're just going to plug him in right away. And it may be at expense of one of those other guys, you know, doesn't play. Maybe Joe Harris doesn't play quite as much. And then they kind of keep him him on ice a little bit and figure it out. But I think Thompson's just too good to keep off the floor because he does way too many things. Um, Ivy, they've been using him off the bench. So maybe that's a way to say, all right, we're going to use Ivy off the bench because then when he comes in, we can really hand him the ball and let him uh, kind of run things if Cade Cunningham's not out there as much. So it's going to be interesting. But, yeah, I mean, Thompson needs to play a lot. Uh, the Pistons probably aren't going to be a very good team, so that also means you might as well hand them playing time. But 
I think they're going to make sure he's out there right away. And it wouldn't shock me the way this preseason has gone if on opening night he's out there with the starters. For the Indiana Pacers, who is going to start for this team? <laughs> yeah, I, I referred to it as the polls. We know we're good. We know the center and we know the, the point guard to everything else in the middle that is you know up for grabs. Last year, the most common starters were Buddy Heald, Andrew Nemhart, and Aaron Neesmith. The Pacers played last year much like a, um, they kind of looked like a good mid, mid-major team in college with one big man whole bunch of wings and then one really good point guard. And they just kind of, you know, all floated around in these small lineups that played pretty fast and shot a lot of threes and did all these things. I think this year you're going to see them go slightly more traditional. And I think what you're going to see with them is I think Brown and, uh, or Bruce Brown uh, and Obi Toppin um, come in two of their big off season additions come into the starting group. And Benedict Matherin said, um, in uh, off-season interviews, really right from the end of the season and then continued to to make, make it known, they told him he's going to start. So we'll take him at his word, and I think we're going to see Halliburton, Turner, and Matherin as kind of the, the guys who have been there, and then Brown and Toppin join them in the starting group. And then that means we're going to see what happens with Buddy Heald. Um, sounds like they still intend to play him until they find a trade for him, or maybe they do uh, – you know, reopen uh, extension talks and find something going. They, they, they like Aaron Neesmith quite a bit. So he'll play. And I know they love Andrew Nemhard. So I think there's a chance, you know, we see Nemhard, you know, play the most of any of their bench guys uh, there, but yeah, it's going to be really, really interesting to watch how, you know, Rick Carlisle puts this all together because then you've got, you know, uh, uh, Jarris Walker, who was their high uh, draft pick this year. He was, their, I think, the seventh pick in the draft or maybe eighth. I, I know they traded uh, with Washington one slot, but he'll come in. I, I think, you know, that they're going, you know, in a bunch of different uh, or could go in a bunch of different directions. But I think it's going to be really fun to kind of watch uh, this Pacers team uh, put it together because, they, boy, there's a lot of talent. It's a lot of talent that just seems to fit well together as they build this thing out finishing off the division we've got the milwaukee bucks and uh who's going to be their backup point guard yeah and this one really kind of ended up flowing and turning into just what does the bench look like for for the bucks because campaign is clearly going to be the backup point guard um the question is is he going to be healthy is he going to be there if he's not there then what happens because there's not another point guard on the roster that's ready to play they've got guys like Lindell Wigington uh Ty Ty Washington and Omari Moore but those guys are all on two ways um I love AJ Green I think he's a terrific shooter but he's not not an on-ball defender uh like you need at that position and then Andre Jackson is a really good on on-ball defender but he's not really a point guard and he's, and he's a second round rookie. So, you know, maybe Marjon, Marjon Bochamp uh, comes through and, you know, he becomes the guy there and, uh, you know, really, you know, snags that role. I think he is going to play um, just to put a little youth and athleticism into the, into the Bucks group um, here. So what I really kind of transition this to is like, what, what are they going to do just kind of in general um, with their starting group, their bench, Malik Beasley's going to be there. Jay Crowder is there, Pat Connaughton. I mean, they've got a lot of guys who can play. It's just going to be interesting, you know, when they finally settle Adrian Griffin, a rookie coach settles on, 
yeah, I this is what I want to run. These are the guys I believe in most. And they kind of put it together. So a lot, a lot of open questions, I think, with the box around, you know, I think we can feel pretty confident Lopez uh, and Chris Middleton join Giannis and Dame in the starting uh, five. And then it becomes, all right, who's that fifth starter? And then how does that impact the, the backup uh you know, guys, and what what does that all look like? So that, that's that's going to be really fun to kind of just keep an eye on and monitor uh, with this team. And I think think there'll be a lot of again a lot of mixing and matching as they figure out all right who are the best guys to fit with these guys, and also who are the best guys to kind of maybe carry the bench a little bit uh, when we go to these bench lineups. I've seen some of your tweets. I have not watched much, if any, preseason basketball. I've just been so busy here. I don't blame um, you. <laughs> hey, let me give you an aside on this. I just want to throw one thing at you really quick because I don't want to forget. This is maybe, I, I would call this a hot take, but it's maybe like more like lukewarm uh, take. I'm kind of at the point where let's have a one or one or two week training camp, eliminate these preseason games altogether, and just start the season, you know, a couple weeks earlier. Um, Agreed. Just, you know, and then you stretch it out. You could either eliminate or really lessen the more back to backs, or really get rid of them and just go because then it's very clear the teams don't really care about these preseason games. They play, they play kind of, you know, half heartedly through a couple of them, and then they'll take one as kind of a real dress rehearsal, and then they kind of go. And everybody's everybody kind of owns. Hey, the first month of the season is when we figure all this stuff out. So that's that's just kind of where I'm at. Sorry, I know I stepped on your question there but i had that thought and i just wanted to toss it out there no you're totally right and the same conversation comes up in the and and the nfl with yeah. their preseason games and you know they use it to you know assess but where i was going was how does the lillard Giannis combination look I, i've seen you tweeting about it from your eyes and and can you speak to that right now yeah i mean it's so super small sample sizes and that but boy, it's going to be terrifying to try to figure out how to defend that. Um, if you can put enough shooting around those two guys and the Bucks should be able to get to more than enough shooting with a lot of the guys they have on the roster. I just don't know how you're going to be able to pinch the floor enough to protect against Giannis while also covering out to all of the shooters. And, you know, Damian Lillard mentioned, you know, they came, he came off. I think it was like the first couple pick and rolls with Giannis. And he's like, they blitzed me like normal, but he's like, it's Giannis I'm throwing it to now. Like, and off he went. And then he was also talking about how they ran a couple inverted pick and rolls where he screened for Giannis. They got it to him and he's like, and that rotation was there. He goes, but then I'm, you know, swinging it over to really good shooters. So it's going to be really, really hard. You're going to have to have five guys whose rotations are, um, completely locked in they're defending on a string and they really know and nobody misses nobody's late or anything like that and beyond that they're gonna have to be good they're gonna have to be five good defenders i do think when they they, when it really matters if they run a lot of that inverted Giannis dame pick and roll stuff teams will just they'll they'll just drop on it because they're not going to worry about Giannis pulling up uh, too much they'll invite that to be the thing but it but there then there'll be counters that the bucks will have off that where you can run an inverted pick and roll that flows into something you know a sideline handoff or a backdoor cut and all that stuff so they're going to put more pressure on Giannis to be a passer and a playmaker but i think he's got that ability so that, that's a very long way of saying really really scary mm-hmm. offensively defensively though when they played the lakers the other night 
I mean, the, the, the Lakers whole offensive game plan seemed to be run a bigger guy down the floor as quick as we can and try to get Damian Lillard pinned under the rim. And they did that multiple times, whether it's Torrey and Prince or Rui Hachimura, even Anthony Davis got him like that one time. So that's the Bucks are going to, they, they, they definitely traded defense for offense uh, through the course of their roster building this off season. So that's going to be uh, something interesting, but you know, instead of winning games, you know, I don't know, 110, 108, they might win more games 115 to 110. And that just might be how it is. All right. Uh, we're going to finish off the uh, episode here talking. We started with transactions. We're going to end with transactions. Can you explain the logistics behind the last day to cut without incurring any dead cap? Yeah. So what happens in the NBA uh, all rosters have to be finalized by Monday, October 23rd. So that's, you know, less than a week out from now. So that is 5 p.m. So that means everybody needs to be down to, at the most, 15 players on standard contracts and up to three players on two-way contract. So what happens, though, in reality is, in order to uh, have guys clear waivers in time before the regular season starts, which is, the, the start of opening night, which this year is October 24th, is really kind of the start of the calendar when per day salaries kick in. You have to clear waivers before then. So what the real cut down deadline is for all these guys that are on Exhibit 9, Exhibit 10, or these guys who are on non-guaranteed contracts um, comes into uh, 5 p.m. on October 21st because then they clear waivers uh, by the, the 23rd. They're, they're off the waiver process, and off we go. Then you don't have anything. So you're going to see – we're already seeing some teams are already doing some of their cutting down now. You're seeing some teams still do – you know, they're waving two or three guys and then signing two or three guys, but that's lining people up uh, for the G League and giving them that $75,000 Exhibit 10 bonus in most cases. But you're going to see Saturday the 21st is going to be the major cutdown day. Now, teams that are carrying 16 uh, guaranteed contracts or more, if we get there, you may see them kind of wait a little longer. Or if you're a team that's like, well, you know, what we don't want to do is cut a guy now, expose him to waivers, another team claims him, and then they get him to start the year. You may see teams kind of go through a process where, all right, we'll take the per-day cap hit on a couple of these guys because we don't really have to worry about it. But vast majority of the teams will be kind of in line by Saturday the 21st, which is also, that's a day app. The preseason wraps up on Friday the 20th. And then everybody goes kind of almost back into more of like a mini training camp mode for a few days. So what you're going to see is Saturday, the 21st by five, most teams will be in compliance. And then everybody by 5 PM on the 23rd will be fully in roster compliance. All right. Anything else we need to know before we get out of here, Keith? No, I'll just pump it one more time. If, if you're, you know, at all like, yeah, I've seen all these you know, waivers and signings and, you know, Keith's retweeting, you know, all these teams and all this stuff. Like, what is going on? I wrote for the site. I wrote about what Exhibit 9 and Exhibit 10 contracts are. Uh, you can go check that out on Track. And really what we're trying to explain is this is why you're seeing these hundreds of signings and waves and all these things that happen uh, in this period of time. All right, Keith, enjoy the upcoming games here, finishing preseason and starting regular season. We'll have a couple under our belt here once we talk next week. Absolutely. Thanks. For Keith Smith, I am Scott Allen. Thanks for listening to the NBA Next Podcast.